0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from CAP President Bill Campbell. And up first in today's country comment, John Drieger with Leftfield Commodity Research will stop by to take a look at yesterday's USDA WASD reports. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. The USDA released its March WASDE report yesterday. I got the details from John Drieger with Leftfield Commodity Research.
1: You know, in some ways, it's you know, r- report days I always tend to get a lot of attention, and, and yet because of all the other external factors, it's it's kind of a a report where. Uh, I don't know if you could say the numbers were were muted. That's maybe not quite the right response, but but certainly it's it's I guess the first USDA report since uh, uh, since Russia invaded Ukraine, and within that you know USDA you know tried to uh, I guess tried to make some estimates about what they think you know might potentially be the outcome, and and, and primarily I guess in terms of shifting around with exports from various regions and, and so forth, you know in, in terms of the March report itself, it tends to be one where. Uh, at least for Northern Hemisphere, not a lot of changes in in you know production or those sorts of things. Uh, it tends to be a little more trade focused in terms of uh, of Northern Hemisphere countries. And, and again, obviously, as everyone knows, you know the 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 biggest factor is is what's going on in Ukraine and what does that mean for the you know, grain shipments out of the region. And so, uh, from a USDA perspective, you know they lowered uh, uh, wheat exports out of uh, both Russia and Ukraine. Uh, Now, one of the things we have to remember is the vast majority of the exports out of those countries moved kind of late summer, fall, early winter, so it wasn't a dramatic decrease in in exports just because of the seasonal nature of that movement, Uh, but they did lower shipments out of that region and, and more exports out of, for example, Australia and India to partially make up for it, maybe some lower imports and so the aggregate numbers themselves weren't dramatic. It's more kind of, you know, some some shuffling around and, and just trying to, uh, you know, given all the uncertainty, I guess, sort of taking an initial stab at it. Uh, the other one that's of some significance is uh, corn exports out of Ukraine are decreased. You know, U.S. kind of fills in some of the gap. And and so, you know, again, from an overall global aggregate perspective, the numbers don't change that much. It's It's kind of just some shuffling between the different countries. Uh, but, you know, just kind of really taking an initial stab at it. And, and so that was maybe, uh, as much a feature of today's report as, as anything. So again, the numbers themselves not that dramatic, but, but really just trying to, you know, trying to take an initial guess at, at what the outcome will be, uh, given it's still obviously highly uncertain, you know, with, with everything that's still going on.
0: And John, with the uh, with the planting season, you know, approaching in that area, can you talk a little bit about, I guess, the concern concern there?
1: Yeah, so you know, like in terms of, of Ukraine, you know, it, they they are walking into their spring planting season here. I, I think really just in a few weeks is when they when they tend to start, and you know, it, obviously a lot of uncertainty now. I, I think the general feeling is that you know planting should largely go ahead. I mean, one of the things to keep in mind is, is a lot of the conflict happens more so in urban areas.
2: Uh, but having said
1: all of that, I mean, there's no question there's disruption. Uh, what is this going to mean for availability of, of fuel, of, of, you know, capital for farmers, for inputs, access to inputs, all those things? Huge question marks. So, you know, a lot of the Ukrainian crop is winter crops. So, you know, things like mostly winter wheat is, is most of the wheat that's growing. Uh, their rapeseed or, or canola is largely winter, winter crops. And so those crops, of course, were planted last fall. Uh, but they're major exporters of, of corn, of sunflowers, you know, and so certainly it's, uh, again, the conflict tends to happen more in urban areas, but that doesn't mean there's not a lot of disruption and uncertainty about what this means for production going forward. Uh, huge question marks, right, in terms of what that's going to look like. And so, uh, you know, that's uh, that's certainly on the market's mind. And, and so in that sense, in some ways, the, the the war in Ukraine almost maybe has a larger impact on you know, the coming crop year in terms of production and access to exports more so than, uh, you know, kind of in the near term since a lot of their grain has already shipped just, you know, due to the seasonal nature of their exports.
0: That was John Drieger with the Leftfield Commodity Research talking to us here today about yesterday's USDA March WASD report. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute The USDA released its March WASD report yesterday. John Drieger is with Leftfield Commodity Research.
1: The biggest factor is, is what's going on in Ukraine and what does that mean for the grain shipments out of the region. And so from a USDA perspective, you know, they lowered... Uh, uh, wheat exports out of, uh, both Russia and Ukraine. Now, one of the things we have to remember is the vast majority of the exports out of those countries move kind of, you know, late summer, fall, early winter. So it wasn't a dramatic decrease in, in exports just because of the seasonal nature of that movement. Uh, but they did lower shipments out of that region and, and more exports out of, for example, Australia and India to partially make up for it. Maybe some lower imports.
0: Yesterday, Minister of Agriculture and Agrofood Marie-Claude Bibo announced the launch of the Supply Management Processing Investment Fund worth $292.5 million to help processors of supply managed commodities. The fund is part of the government's commitment to support processors in these sectors to address the impacts of international trade agreements. Through the program, processors of supply managed commodities will have access to funding to improve their productivity and efficiency through investments in new automated equipment and technology. Work is also underway with supply-managed sectors to determine full and fair compensation for the impacts of the Canada-United States-Mexico agreement within the year. Yesterday's announcement brings the total amount committed to compensating and support supply-managed sectors impacted by CETA and CPTPP to over $3 billion. And Manitoba Ag Days announced the winners of its Innovation Showcase yesterday. General Manager Kristen Phillips says they had plenty of interest this year, despite the show being cancelled.
3: You know, we had planned to have a show, so we had great interest from our exhibitors. Uh, 33 entrants in the showcase this year. Obviously, extremely disappointing that we weren't able to go to a live in-person show. So, just did a little bit of a different strategy. Um, we actually have sent out a flyer to 50,000 mailboxes across Manitoba and Saskatchewan to make sure we're getting this information out. Obviously, our, our media partners are a huge part of our innovation showcase. And so we appreciate them helping us spread the word so much. Really looking forward to having these inventions
0: at the show in 2023. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Knut. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Thursday, March 10th. I'm Corey Canute Coming up today, we'll talk more about the situation in Ukraine. The Canadian Agri-Food Policy Institute hosted a webinar this week to talk about Russia's invasion of Ukraine and what it means for agriculture and food security. One of the presenters was Sebastian Puglio, agricultural economist with Farm Credit Canada.
2: To summarize, it just means that there's fewer grain on the world market that's going to be available, and we see that the impact of that is raising uh, grain and oilseed prices. So uh, grain prices are way up, especially for wheat. We saw it last week. The uh, we futures hit the limit six times. It has settled since then, but it it's, it shows us really that you know grain prices have been going up. And there are other impacts on the market, especially also on uh, input prices. Uh, one obvious one is the price of oil, which impacts the price of gasoline, diesel. Uh, so for grain farmers, it's going to cost a lot more just to put the crop in or harvest uh, in terms of diesel. And another important impact on inputs is uh, the one on fertilizer. Um, Russia and Belarus that's uh, also involved in the conflict are uh, facing a lot of sanctions right now, and they are important producers of potash. Uh, So that's gonna have a positive impact on fertilizer prices. Already that we had high fertilizer prices uh, starting the middle of last year, uh, because of uh, several disruptions, in the, if we think of a hurricane in, in uh, the Gulf of Mexico, uh, we had also high natural gas prices even before the Ukrainian conflict, the Ukrainian war. Um, so that meant we already had very high fertilizer prices, and now we're having some more pressure on that. I must add also that there's been uh, export quotas by China for fertilizer, uh, same thing with Russia. Uh, so it, it's all building up on higher fertilizer prices. I've got some uh, forecasts in here about uh, for fertilizer prices. These were run like 10 days ago. So they're not fully capturing the impact of the conflict uh, of the war right now. Uh, if we look at uh, urea, uh, we're talking, uh, I'm looking in here at a crop year basis. So I'm going to compare 21-22 to 2020 uh 20 and 21 okay uh so urea we're talking about uh, the price doubling uh from one crop year to the next ammonium phosphate uh, 65% up uh, anhydrous ammonia 65% up so these are from our forecast we already see much higher uh, fertilizer prices and they're just going to keep on increasing these are on the lower end given that we're not fully capturing the effect of the conflict uh, of the war here and One impact it's going to have for us is uh, we expect uh, actually probably farmers to switch a little bit more toward uh, crops that will ask for fewer inputs. So if we think on the east, it's probably going to be a little bit more soybean than corn, although it's the effect is a little bit ambiguous right now because we're having like corn prices and soybean uh, prices both increasing, uh, but inputs also increasing. So we still need to figure out a little bit what's going to be the end uh, effect. Uh, but to mention also, we still expect actually that pretty much all crops in Canada, we expect them to be profitable. Uh, so even though input prices are going up, uh, output prices are going up so much that we still expect, uh, crop, uh, crop farming to be fr- profitable in 21, 22. And when it comes to livestock, well, you know, grain prices is bad news. Uh, so it's going to be a lot more difficult for, uh, livestock producers, especially that you know, we just had a drought. So uh, barley prices are very high in, in the prairies. The prairies is, is already importing a lot of corn from the United States because of that shortage. Um, so it's gonna just build on top of that to, to make the cost of feeding livestock a, a lot higher. Um, so if we're looking at margins for beef, uh, they we see them uh, essentially negative for uh, 21, uh, 22. Uh, and in hogs, though, uh, we're seeing a little bit of positive margins in the middle of, uh, of the, the year so far. For to finish operation, uh, we expect, like in July, to see some profitability. But for the rest of the year, it's pretty much negative.
0: That was Sebastian Puglio, agricultural economist with Farm Credit Canada. He was speaking this week during a webinar hosted by the Canadian Agri Food Policy Institute. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Farm Credit Canada is hosting a Farmland Values Report webinar. On March 15th, go to the FCC website. The Stanley Soil Management Association is hosting its AGM March 15th via Zoom. To register, you can call or text 204 352 Manitoba Canola Growers is hosting a webinar March 16th, starting at 1130 a.m. Register on their website and the Sustainability of Canadian Agriculture Conference 2022, planned for March 16th to the 18th. Details on the University of Manitoba Agriculture website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon, CFAM Radio is celebrating its 65th anniversary. One of the voices heard over the years is that of Bill Campbell, Minto area farmer and current president of Keystone Agricultural Producers
4: been in this industry for a significant amount of time now and um, what I have seen in the landscape is the you know the production level and the innovation and the research of agriculture uh, has really changed. Uh, We are more productive than what we have ever been. Uh, We have used some of the latest technologies you know with GPS and variable rate uh, some of them components and so um you know soil health is very important and uh we are really uh utilizing all of our resources to the best that we can um you know including variety development and so you know when we have favorable weather conditions uh, our production is is never been seen like this before um it's uh, you know great to have the the research uh and the innovation to be able to feed the people of uh, Canada and the world, and I think that we are very, very good at, at what we do. So,
0: what about crops that are that are being grown now? You know, has there been a been a big change over the years, or?
4: Well, I think um, you know, there's been always uh, changes in experiments and experiments, and some have been successful, and some have not been as successful. But you certainly see. Uh, some of the corn and the soybeans. And with that plant breeding technology, we have seen those uh, less heat units required for those crops to be grown here. And, um, you know, there's still, you know, a, a transition and and finding their own level of production that's comfortable for producers. Um, you know, our traditional cereal crops are still a mainstay. But you also got to look at how canola has evolved and it being a cash crop. Uh, in in our area and that's to the plant breeding as well and the yields that we're achieving uh, and the markets that it has for various products. Um, so, you know, the, there is uh, a change of uh, some part, but there are still the crops that make us money that are being utilized the most
0: wanted to talk a little bit about um, young farmers and you know, something that cap's involved with what are you seeing as far as young farmers getting involved in in the industry
4: well you know over over my lifetime uh, when I first started that we had a large engagement of young farmers uh, getting into agriculture and um, you know we've seen some challenges throughout the years and where that has uh, presented some problems where you know the messaging was you better go find a job before you come back to farming to to be able to have something to fall back on. But, you know, lately we have seen an increased um, undertaking of young farmers getting involved in agriculture. And, and I think that's partly due to the technology and the innovation and the um, some of the features that are out there now for enhanced production. And the young minds are great at being able to adapt and utilize all of this um, digital information and, and all of those things they're innovative, creative, um, so that you know they are engaging in, in agriculture at this point in time.
0: And uh, just to wrap things up here, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the role of, of uh, Keystone agricultural producers over the years. Um, uh, as president, you know just talk a little bit about about that.
4: Well, you know, I've always believed that as farmers, we need to have a voice at the table, be it uh, municipal, uh, provincial, or federal, with regards to policies that affect our ability to do our job. Um, You know, like I had mentioned earlier, we are so good at our job that 50% of what we produce is traded. And so how those factors and policies affect um, my ability to do my job on our farm and, and agriculture in general. Um, so we need to be able to have that grassroots voice at the table when these policies are developed. And, you know, CAP has been around for a reason. It still exists for a reason so that we have that voice, you know, be it farm safety, um, be it um, um, educate, or, um taxation. Um, be it uh, farm labor, um, be it infrastructure, um, you know, all of those features that affect agriculture, we need to be able to be able to have the farmer's voice when po- government makes policy. And, um, you know, I think it's vitally important that we have uh, the young farmers and the farmers engaged on policies that affect their bottom line um as we move forward so i encourage everyone to to become engaged and and be involved in in things that will affect their farming operations congratulations and happy 65th anniversary and uh, we certainly appreciate the uh, CFAM and Golden West Radio to be able to have that vehicle to express agriculture and your voice on agriculture issues and so that people are able to hear and, and, and understand some of the issues and uh, congratulations on your 65th.
0: That was Bill Campbell, president of Keystone Agricultural Producers, joining us here today as we celebrate the 65th anniversary of CFAM Radio. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The Manitoba Habitat Heritage Corporation Board of Directors recently approved $2.86 million in new grants to 20 projects delivered by 14 Manitoba based conservation groups. The revenue source for these projects is $204 million in contributions made to the Winnipeg Foundation between 2018 and 2020 to establish three trusts dedicated to land, water, and wildlife conservation. Projects supported this year include $400,000 to Manitoba Beef Producers, $200,000 to Holistic Management Canada, $400,000 to Ducks Unlimited Canada, and $25,000 to the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society. The $2.86 million in trust funds is being matched by $6.6 million in funds and services by the groups, which will result in $9.5 million of conservation activity in the province. The winners were announced yesterday for the Manitoba Egg Day's Innovation Showcase. General Manager Kristen Phillips talked about the judging process. It
3: is um, a judging committee that's made up of all farmers, so the judges contacted each of the companies and did a one-on-one interview typically that would have been done at the show Um, at the show two of our judges say they are the judges and two of our judges are blind judges but obviously this year without a show we had to uh, you know say we are the judges when we did the judging this year and then the judges come together and um, pick the winner.
0: And the conflict in Ukraine was a major focus of yesterday's USDA March Wasdi report. John Drieger with Leftfield Commodity Research talked about the upcoming planting season.
1: A lot of the Ukrainian crop is winter crops. Things like mostly winter wheat is, is most of the wheat that's growing. Uh, Their rapeseed or, or canola is largely winter crops. And so those crops, of course, were planted last fall. Uh, but they're major exporters of, of corn of sunflowers and the conflict tends to happen more in urban areas but that doesn't mean there's not a lot of disruption and uncertainty about what this
0: means for production going forward i'll be back after this to wrap up today's program we've come to the end of another manitoba farm journal i'm your host cory Canute. if you have any questions or comments you can reach us by email thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the markets farm program Coming up on tomorrow's show, Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibo will join me to touch on a number of topics. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.